Anyway, so if you uh, take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13, verse 36. don't have PowerPoint today because we're going to be in one spot in the Word of God mainly. And uh, last week I preached on and shared a thing that the Lord had really put in my heart about the collision of culture and righteousness and truth. And so today we continue on with that in a different, different mode. I have my notes here somewhere, and now I do not have them. I guess they lost. Can I have some, Swifty? Oh, here they are. I found them. Thank you. But yeah, okay. But you should have two. You should have two, uh, two things. One is uh, you'll have the notes for today, and then you'll have something that has some verses, and then you'll have this thing that looks like a chart. And I'll explain that all a little later on as we go on. Um, but this collision of culture and truth is just massive, and it's occurring in ev- just about every facet of our existence. And uh, at home, many times, in relationships, at work, or, or in, our, in our political structures, uh, just wherever we go, we got this collision of, of culture, righteousness, and truth. And... Uh, and God's heart is for us, to, for those collisions to be opportunities. If you look in the Word of God, every time there was a collision between culture and, and God, or God's people, it was a major opportunity, like a Red Sea being parted. And that's good seeing that here. Uh, you, know, you know, that was a collision between two cultures. You know? And all of a sudden, God parts a Red Sea. Or, you know, with Jesus with the Pharisees, maybe in healing the guy with the hand, who withered hand. That was a collision of cultures, the kingdom of God and the, a kingdom of, of religion. And all of a sudden, right in the middle, a, a man's hand is healed. And so God's heart for us is that when these collisions occur, people are saved. You know, the other night, uh, for us, uh, uh, what was it, uh, two nights ago, Friday night, uh, Paul and I are sitting there about 11 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden, 10.30, uh, all of a sudden our, our power goes off. And we're going, oh, man, you know. And so I, uh, you know, but then about 15 minutes, about 10 minutes later, it just comes back. Oh, okay, okay, cool. And it wasn't cold, you know, the other night it wasn't cold. Well, we go to bed, and then when about 5 o'clock, three morning, I'm getting up, but I, but as I'm, waking up, I look, and normally the first thing I'll do is I'll look up and I'll see the alarm clock. You know, just big red letters. And I see nothing. And I'm looking around and, you know, it, usually we'll leave the light, you know, you can see those uh, LED lights in the house all around, you know, and so I don't see a thing. So I know, guess what? Power's gone. And so, you know, I, I just go ahead and get up, but I'm stumbling around trying to find what's going on. You know, and I make a long story short, you know, I call AEP and tell them, you know, our power's out. But I look, I go out on the deck and I look out and there's no light anywhere. Anyway, so I call them just to let them know. And, and, uh, and they tell me that there's somebody had hit a telephone pole. So I guess I'm just, just curiosity is getting me. So I get in the car and I go driving down the road. Just to, and first of all, I want to see how far this power is out. So I'm going down Cascades driving this out now. Next thing I know, uh, you know, I get down and the, the power pole right beside Tangent was what this lady hit. Right there. And so, you know, and all these power 
you know, the AEP trucks are there right there at 10. You can't get through up Cascades Drive. And so I pull in the in a dollar store behind there. You can, go, you can get out and walk around. And there's Jess Stump and, and, uh, and, and uh, oh, the other ladies that work at, at uh, Tangent are standing there. And I go get talking to them. And, and you know, what's going on? Well, somebody hit this, this, that, that. And Jess goes, there's a lady out there that was just coming along here just a few minutes ago, and her transmission went out, and she stuck out in the middle of the road. We pushed, she drifted over in the side. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I said, well, you know, we get, get going on. She says, well, let's go out there and help her. So we, you know, dodging traffic, you know, push her car out of the way. Well, guess what? I mean, here's a lady that doesn't, obviously did not know the Lord. And, uh, you know, stranded, but it was a crazy collision of cultures. And, and uh, Jess had an opportunity to take her to, uh, later on, take her to uh, Princeton. I was, Jess and I was going to do it, but Jess had to get everything squared away with work. And I was not going to take her by myself, you know. But, uh, but anyway, Jess texted me later and said it was a really cool opportunity. Well, that was a collision of culture. And righteousness and truth and being able to allow and speak something into that. And so God's heart is whenever these collisions occur that we see the opportunities in it. But how? And so the Lord just really highlighted to me this past scripture in John chapter 14. And uh, in fact, John chapter 14 begins really in John chapter 13. And Jesus, where Jesus in the latter part of the chapter tells him that he's leaving them. Now watch this collision of culture in the first part here. So Jesus tells him he's leaving him. And Simon goes nuts. And he says, si and Simon said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot come. We cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. But Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you right now? I lay my down life down for you. Now notice the next statement. Will you? <laughs> but Will you but lay your life down for me? Truly I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. Poor Peter, we picked on him last week. But Jesus is telling him here, the collision of this culture and truth, you're going to deny me three times. And the interesting thing is, is, so then Jesus starts and really takes advantage of this opportunity to starts to speak about standing, I believe this with all my heart, standing in the midst of these collisions. And his very next statement to him says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Well, I think there's two statements in this. Even though he's speaking plural there, don't let your hearts be troubled. He's speaking plurally, obviously to all the disciples. But I'll be honest with you, I think he's speaking as much to the whole, but he is to Peter. Because when you deny me three times, Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. Give up. Believe. Believe in God, believe also in me. Hebrews 4.16, let us draw near with confidence. That's one of grace. Because in this, uh, Jesus introduces the basis of standing in the midst of collisions. And anything, anything, anything ever goes crazy in this world, y'all, the absolute place for security and for us to stand is standing and living out of the Father's house. And that's where this whole thing begins and, and where Jesus is telling us, collision's going to occur for you, Peter, and the rest of you disciples, but believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house. 
Now, I want to declare this. He's telling them, believe. Believe. But here's the question I want to ask in relationship to senior notes. How do I stand in faith in the midst of these words? How would, you know, we sit here and we can say, oh, Peter, oh, he denied Jesus three times. You know, how, you know, how many times have we denied Jesus? And maybe in a business deal or, or, or you're with a group of friends or wherever, and all of a sudden you know there's the opportunity to speak the name of Jesus. We may not utter the words in our mouth. I don't know him, but with our actions, we deny him. But that's not God's heart. So how do we stand? Well, the place is that God said, Jesus says to him, in my Father's house. Now, the interesting thing here, and I want to speak these real quick, in, John, in the Father's house are many dwelling places. Well, y'all, you've probably been to many funerals, and you've heard me preach on this before, many of you have. But I'm just, I'm, that's why I'm not going in depth about this. But this is not about uh, mansions. I hate to say that, but this is not about it. In fact, in my father's house are many dwelling places. Um, in fact, y'all, I will say this. This is the foundation of this church. In fact, this, these next two parts is where this church came from. When we were, when we were first started out, the name of this church uh, when we first started out, there was only a handful of us. I, I think, you know, Rick and Debbie, uh, I know we're a part of that crew. And, and I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not even sure you were here yet. No, I know you wouldn't have been. Well, then they might not have been here. So anyway. But anyway, Bill Pearson and I, who's now the dean of, of vice president of the school of vet at, uh, at Tech or at the vet hospital, he and I went out to out in a friend's farm, and we were fasting and praying and hearing the Lord. And the Lord spoke to us this passage of Scripture in my Father's house of many dwelling places. And notice it's not the dwelling place. It's dwelling place, Christian fellowship. Because when it talks about dwelling place, it's talking about places of abiding with. It's presence. It's God's presence. In fact, the same Greek word that's used there, and you'll see in your notes there, is the Greek word monite. It's only used one other place in all of the New Testaments, and that's John 14, 23, when Jesus says, He who loves me, the Father and I, will come and make our abode with him, dwelling with him or her. So literally, this place is what God's saying. Jesus is saying, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. Look at all of it. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you know it's in context because in John 14, in John 14, verse 16 and 17, when he's t after he's told him he's leaving, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. And he goes on to say, he abides with you, will be in you. And it's in this place, y'all, that you've got to realize this, in the Father's house are many dwelling places. And that is the crazy thing about my, our Father, y'all. I know the frustration of being a dad. I had two kids. I can't imagine my hair. I can't imagine, I can't imagine it's four, two, anything above two. Just kind of, you got three, and I mean, it's going, wow. You know, because in this place is, is that where, you know, your heart is to have this intense relationship with all your kids. I have a good friend down in Florida who has six kids. He's a lawyer, and every day of the week for the last 20-some years, he spends a day breakfast with one of his kids. 
crazy, cool thing. These kids all time, hardcore love Jesus. And that's the same way in my heart. You know, I just, oh, you, you want to be with your kids. You want to be with your wife. And then, you know, and then, you know, and then ministry, people, other people want to be with you. And so you're in this place. But, but here's the cool thing is, and then I, I know that before I say what the cool thing is, the frustration of being a dad is that you want to spend intimate time with your kids, with your wife, your friends, your relationships. The cool thing about that. God the Father says, Jesus is saying, in my Father's house, many dwellings. There's intimacy with everyone. That's how we stand. There's a, there's a place when all of us are hurting that we can crawl up into the Father's lap and be comfortable. To stand, to hear from. And that's what Jesus is saying, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. And then he goes on to say, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, y'all, to, to verify and establish, this is not talking about mansions or whatever. Notice what it says here. I go to prepare a place. In the Greek, it's singular. It's singular. For you, plural. The, the uh, pronoun there is plural. If he was, Jesus was going to heaven to, to, to make mansions for all of us, he would say this. I go to prepare places or houses for you. But no, he's going to prepare one place for all of us. This place is in the Father's house. You see, uh, before Jesus came on the cross, we were not, we didn't have a place there. We, we were, there was only one begotten Son. Everybody else, all the other angels of heaven, y'all, all everybody else, y'all, were guests. In the Father's house. But Jesus says, I'll go to prepare a place for you. You know, I love Simonis. I really do. I mean, I love him. But you know what? I mean, he's, he knows he's got access to my house and I, him. I think I'll go to his house. I'll just walk in. If I hadn't had lunch, I'll pull out the bread and the peanut butter and I'll make a peanut. I've done that a bunch of times. And he's done the same thing in my house, you know. I don't know if he pulled up peanut butter, but he feels confident that whatever's in my house is his, is his. But you know, the crazy thing is, if I go to Mitch's house, there's a difference between me and Kaylee and Kenzie and Kristen and Caleb. I'm a guest. There, they have a place. And that's when Jesus did here. He goes, you know, I go to prepare a place for you. And you see this in Ephesians chapter 2, where Jesus... Now get the statement. He says that where I am, you may be also. And you see this progression in Ephesians chapter 1 where Jesus is dead. And one, and one eighteen following where Jesus was dead. God raised him. And then he seated him far above all rule and authority. So he, Jesus was dead. He was raised up and he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Far above all rule and authority. Well, that's cool for Jesus. But in Ephesians chapter 2, following, it says, goes on, it says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then it goes on to say, we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest in verse 3, the last part of verse 3. But I love verse 4. It's, it's kind of cool. We were, we, were, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were by nature children of wrath. But the start of verse 4 says, but God. I love those. That is a cool statement. 
by nature, children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us. And then it says that we were dead. And for by grace are you saved. We're dead in our transgressions. And he raised us up. So we were dead. Well, let me back up. Jesus was dead. He was raised and he was seated. Y'all, you and I were dead. We were raised. And according to Ephesians 2, we were seated with him. Hear what Jesus said in John 14, 3. I go to prepare a place for you. And he goes, if it were not so, I would have told you. It says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. There it is, y'all. He's dead, raised, seated. Guess what? We're dead, raised, and seated. You and I have a place in the Father's house. Go there. It's in the Spirit. But you can go there. It's, it's present. That's not, you will have a place in the heavenlies. You, you, will, you will be seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2, 6. Y'all, that's past tense. And I've done that illustration many times in this church, and that's why I'm not going to do it today. But I could, you know, I could, you know, just pronounce, you know, Danielle and Ben here king and queen of the New River Valley. And, and I don't mean they will be, but we could do it and. You know, if, she's, if he's the king of the New River Valley and Danielle would be queen in relationship to him. She, you know, so they could be seated on the throne. Here it is seated together with him. That's like Jesus. When God raised him up, he seated him at his right hand. But y'all, the place that Jesus had, he gave to us. How can you be physically here and have a place there? If Danielle was the queen of the New River Valley, she, would, she could physically, she has a place next to Ben, the king. She could physically get up and go out in the midst of the kingdom and walk around physically, but her place is here. But the, the challenge is, y'all, that she would never forget her place because if she's out there and forgets who she, her place is, she could start to live as a pauper out there because she forgot her place. And that's what Jesus is telling the disciples. You want to deal, I'm paraphrasing, Peter, you're going to deny me three times? And how I know this is more about collision of culture, you go to the end of chapter 15, and we'll, I'll point that out to you in a few minutes. It talks about the world hating you and all kind of other crazy stuff like that. But the basis of dealing all of this is, y'all, so Jesus tells him, he says, my Father's house, there are many dwelling places, that's the presence of God. In my Father's house and make dwelling places, and I go to prepare a place for you. That is your place, my place in Christ Jesus. Y'all, that's all the, you want to know all the Christian life's about. It's, this is the foundation of your Christian life. One, you have a place in the Father's house. Two is his presence in our lives. That's it. That's how when things get tough, that you and I can stand. Like the time a friend of mine who whose dad died at like age 40 and she's sitting at the funeral and the, and the and grief is all around and her heart just is so shocking because he just died this random heart attack. She's sitting there and all of a sudden the Lord just says to her, pray in the Spirit. Lord, look. Quietly pray in the Spirit now. So just in her, under her voice she starts to pray in tongues. And in that she could feel, you know, because 
you, you pray in the Spirit, you edify yourself. That's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. So in that place, she starts to build herself up. Why? The Spirit of God in her empowers and rises up in her. She's lighting a fuse. She's stoking the fire of God's presence in her. That's how you stand when the cultures of this world collide against us and try to push us, and that's what Jesus is telling the disciples. And he goes on from this, y'all, and let's just follow this narration because it's a story. And he's with the disciples, and so, you know, and he says, you know the way where I'm going. He says, I'm going to the Father's house. You know the way. And, and Thomas, you know, one who doubts easy, you know, Lord, you know, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? They didn't. And so all of a sudden, he's starting to bring things into him. He says, where are you going? We don't know the way. And he just told him, he says, in my father's house. And he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the, what, father except by me. And so he starts this whole thing. And he's trying to get him to the father's house. And then, and then he goes on and he tells him, if you had known me, you would know my Father. Now think about that. If you know me, Jesus is telling him, if you'd known me, you'd know my Father. And he tells him, he says, from now on you know him and have seen him. Well, Philip's going, huh? You know, Philip says, Lord, and I know he's doing this just out of sincerity of his heart. Show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus, I believe, looks at Philip heartbroken just heartbroken and he goes have I been with you so long it was three years three years yet you have not come to know me Philip because he who has seen me has seen the what the father now he's not saying I am the same blob as the father he just he's sharing us with his heart and he goes on and he said you know you see me you see the father how do you say show us the father now here's the key to this whole thing y'all he unleashes a major truth of his life and it if it's good enough for jesus it's what good enough for us we was dealing with i was talking with tom and Ingrid and Tom's heart as he faced this situation with Josh and Rena. Tom's heart was to see the power and presence of God invade this uh, Josh's physical body. Tom is convinced of the healing power of God and God's heart in healer because his name is the healer. On the cross, he provided, you know, for by his stripes we are healed. You know, our griefs he himself bore, our sicknesses he carried. Now it's there. And Tom's crying out, you know, he's going, you know, and he's speaking this to me, and I'm, you know, I'm hearing it. We go, our heart is that burns within us that, that the cultures that we get confronted with, that, y'all, we don't have to discuss and prove God, but God himself proves himself. Because notice what Jesus said. He who has seen me in the Father, how do you say show us the Father? Do you not believe I am in the Father 
and the Father is in me. Get this. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. What's he talking about? Watch this. The, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Watch this. And he goes on and says, the words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his work. Y'all, it ain't us that heals anybody. It's not us that does anything. It's him abiding in us, dwelling in us. When Peter's shadow would bring healing, it wasn't Peter. It was the power and the presence of the living God in Peter exuding out. You can't take a supernatural God and put it in a physical body, a natural body, and things not happen. But we settle for the mundane. We settle for the mediocrity, and God is calling us into this place. I believe in my life, Rick, understand the key to conquering cultures. It's the Father abiding. For Jesus, the secret to conquering the culture that he faced the Father abiding in him and him abiding in the Father. And it says, do you not believe, I'm going to read it again, that I am in the Father, the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on them initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his work. Now, y'all, it switches. And I'm going, why? And then he says, get that, the last statement, it says, the Father abiding in me does his work. That's verse 10. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works. See, y'all, the works testify of what we're abiding in and what's abiding in us. Hear that. What you and I do say testifies where we're abiding. Jesus is saying, don't listen. In one other place, he says in John, he says, don't listen to what I say. Watch the works. What I do testifies where I'm abiding. Y'all, if I'm drunk, if I'm staggering around, the works of being staggering around is testified where I'm abiding. Right? Well, let me tell you something. If you've been, I've watched Ben Bradford get drunk in the Holy Ghost, and that testifies of where he's been abiding. Or when all of a sudden, when you're saturated with the presence of God and you come across somebody, then, then you speak something, say something, minister something, and it touches a heart. That's a testimony, not of anything in us, but the testimony where we've been abiding. And so Jesus goes, believe on account of the works. Then he says this, truly I say to you, the works that I do, you shall do also. Not only this, but greater works you shall do because I go to the Father. Now, what is he saying there? Now, y'all, the same formula for which, and I'm going to use this term, sorry for that, but the same way that Jesus operated abiding in the Father and the Father abiding in him, generating works that could be seen and testify the fact that the Father, what Jesus came from the Father, is also available to us because Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. Why? Because I go to the Father. And I'm going, what is that? Why is that? Why is that? He goes on a little later. He says, it's important that I go to the Father. But if you'll notice in verse 16, 
He says, I'll send another. I'll send another to you. It's important that I go away because I'm going to send another to you, the, the Holy Spirit, just like me. In other words, what he's saying is this. Okay, see, uh, the Spirit of God the Father was living in Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was in the Father. Now, y'all, this in the, in the Jesus in him, I mean, the Father in Jesus, that was the presence. Jesus in the Father, that's the place. See, Jesus knew he had come forth from God and is going back to God, John chapter 13. He, he, verse 3, that's how he lived. He lived out of the Father. You know where you're from, that's where you're going to go back to. If you're coming out of the heart of the Father, that's your place. That's our place. Our heart is to come out of the Father. Everything you will do and I will do will be in relationship to that journey. And that's when the works that I do you shall do also. Y'all, I'm going to tell you this. We better either shut, put up or shut up in this. And this is what's on me. I'm not saying it about you. I'm saying me. I was telling the elders yesterday we had a prayer time yesterday morning and, and uh, the early afternoon and, and uh, I, I just tell them, I says, I have been speaking and reading the Word of God in relationship to my experiences and interpreting the Word of God in relationship to my experiences. And God is saying enough is enough. You've got to read the Word, speak the Word, and interpret the Word, your experiences in relationship to the Word of God. And like you heard me say that time with a friend of mine, Bryce Brooks, where the guy he's arguing with is, not arguing, but this guy's telling him that the Bible has contradictions in it. And Bryce looked at him and said, the only contradiction pertaining to the Word of God is it contradicts your life. And that's the reality for us. Many times it contradicts our life. But here's the cool thing is, y'all, I don't have to sit here and wallow in defeat. Because you know what? This word performs its work in us who believe. There's a power in it to call, to draw out into me and birth into me that which is Jesus. Because he is the word. You and I have a destiny to be conformed to the image of our beloved, his beloved son. Romans 8, 29. In 1 John 4, it says that you and I may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we. But, and where, but, this world, say this with me. As he is, please say it with me. As he is, so are we in this world. Why is that, y'all? Because he's in us. He's in us. And that's what he's calling us into, abiding. And that's where, all of a sudden, he's telling them, this journey that we're on, the, the, the journey that I had of abiding in the Father and the Father abiding in me, that, that is how I lived. But I say to you now, the works that I did, which testifies that the Father was in me and me and the Father, will also occur in your life because I go to the Father and I send the Spirit of my Father into you so you will abide in Him and Him in you. Or... I, you will abide in me in Christ. You've got a place in the Father's house. And I am sending you and that you will have the Spirit of God in you. So the works that I did, you can do because you are in me and I'm in you. Hey, if he's in us and we're in him, guess what? We look like him. 
And so, you know, I'm going, hey, God. And it's kind of interesting. Following on John chapter 14, you know, in verse 29, it says, now I've told you before it comes to pass that when it comes to pass, you may believe. You know, he's telling them how it's going to operate before it's going to happen so that you can believe, so you can enter into the place and presence of God. I mean, really, think about this, how important it is for us. How much of you and I focused in relationship to the presence and place that we have in God? In Christ, Christ in us. You know, think about the immensity of this in Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's what? Christ who does what? Lives in me. Hallelujah. That'll preach. But I love this in verse 30. I will speak much I will speak more with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, he has nothing in me. I don't know what was going on right there, but evidently he's talking with the disciples, and all of a sudden Satan's going to make this entrance. Satan's not omnipotent. But evidently, Satan was coming to that place in point in time where he was meeting with the disciples, and he said, Shh, I'm not going to say anymore right now. I'll tell you later. And watch this, what he says. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even as I do. And he says, arise, and let's go from here. So I could get this picture. So he's talking with the disciples about this. He's, 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 he's giving them a little bit of salt. He's wet their appetite about this thing. I'm in the Father, and Father's in me. The works that I do, you can do also because of this abiding principle. And so they're probably walking along with, with the disciples, and all of a sudden, in, in, you know, in the Middle East, you, you can see this all the time. You'll either see olive trees or you'll see grapevines. And so they're probably walking along, and you get this picture, and all of a sudden they're probably coming in, into this vineyard. And all of a sudden he starts in this discourse in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, my Father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And he starts talking about this whole thing about the vine and the branches. Look in verse 4. Here it is. Abide in me, I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. That's something I want to share real quick. Did uh, Tulio, Tulio didn't get those two pictures I sent him, did he? You know, he did. Can you show these things? I want you to notice this, this in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may, may bear bear fruit. This is an apple tree out my property. It's a big one. Don't bear much fruit. There's an apple tree up on up in the middle of a pasture. It's in the woods that bears so much fruit that the limbs will break. But this one don't bear much fruit. You know why? See those little branches on it? Go to the next slide, please. That's a branch. Can you see those all those little bitty branches coming off of those are called sucker branches. And you know what they do? They don't bear fruit. They're sucker branches. They suck life out of it. And one of the tasks that I know God has told me to do this winter is to take some pruning shears and go to that apple tree while, it, while it's, all the leaves are gone and clean that apple tree of all those sucker branches. Because Jesus starts talking about that every branch... In me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's a whole other issue. 
But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear. Literally, the Greek word there is clean. And what that branch right there and the, that, that whole tree needs to be cleansed. And I, I believe this with all my heart. That tree, when I clean all those sucker branches off, it's the next spring when it blossoms, there's going to be a lot of fruit. Or it'll be the next season. I don't know much about apple trees, so y'all may correct me. But that tree needs cleaning. And I started thinking about my life. How many sucker branches are in my life? In your life. What's sucking the life of God out of you? And so God's about, he's the vine dresser. He's going, man, I'm doing a work. I'm doing a work. And then he goes on, and I want you to notice in verse 4. Verse 4, abide in me, I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I in him. He keeps repeating this back and forth. I in him, him in me. In my, in my, in my presence, in, in my place, you're in my place. That's what he keeps going back and forth here. This whole discourse about. And look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I in him, bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'll be honest with you all. You know, religion is one of the most deadly things to attack. A man or a woman of God. Because you know what you start and I can start to consider? That we can do something in and of ourselves. But, you know, without that place of abiding in his presence and allowing the reality of his presence to be manifest in my life and abiding in the place of the Father's house. I mean, y'all, let me question. How many of us begin the day in the Father's house? One of my favorite stories is the story of... Uh, the Wemmicks. Eli and the Wemmicks were Eli. Y'all, y'all remember that story? Everybody, everybody heard that story? The story, you are special. Eli, Eli, wasn't it? No, no, it was Punicello. Punicello was a dude. Eli was the woodman. Punicello was this dude in the Wemmicks. The Wemmicks had these bad habits of, of giving dots to people and stars. If they saw something bad somebody did, they gave them a dot. If they saw somebody do something good, they'd give them a star. So people, all these wooden people, the Wemmicks, walked around. There were wooden people that walked around with stars and dots on them. If they did, I mean, so if you saw somebody that did, you know, had a bunch of stars, you go, oh, they're good. Because the people would put stars and dots on them. And there was this one wooden person who just could not do anything right. So he, everywhere he went, he got dots. In fact, people would come up to him and give him dots because he had dots. And so, and so one day he's just all depressed, and this is, how, this is my interpretation of the story, so if you read it and it's not like it, please grant me mercy. But anyway, he's going on, and so he sees this Wemmick who don't have any dots. And so he's just like, dots or stars, yeah, she don't have anything. And, and, uh, Funicello sees this, and her name was Lucy, wasn't I believe Lucy? And, and Lu- he was just amazed with Lucy because Lucy didn't have stars or dots. 
In fact, people would walk up and try to give her a star or a dot, and it would just fall off. And so, if it anyways, the story goes, Punicello goes up to Lucy and goes, what, what, what's the deal with you? And she says, well, every day I go to Eli's house. And see, what happens is what, what she goes on in the story, and he, she takes him to Eli's house, and Eli was God, obviously. And in this place, God speaks into Lucy who she is, and she don't have to have stars or dots from people to tell her how she is. She's abiding in the Father's house. That's for us, too. It's in that place. Because uh, it's all about abiding in the vine. And I want you to notice this in, in uh, verse... I'm going to just read on if you don't mind. Watch this. He's, Jesus starts to divide the defining abiding. And it goes all the way down into verse 11 where he keeps going back and forth about this abiding. Verse 7, abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done. I'll give it to you. What does that mean? Yeah, that's an that's a if. Whatever. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask. Okay, y'all. How many of us in here going to God, asking God, and in, 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 in our prayer life, we're calling out to God for answers on things, and we're not allowing the Word of God abide in our lives? You break the condition of that passage of Scripture. Because we try to live outside the vine. The vine, the vine, yeah. The sap of the vine is his word. That's his word, that's him. And he goes on in verse 8, By this your, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, proved to be my disciples, just as the Father has loved me, so also I loved you. Abide in my love. This whole thing about abiding in, abiding in, abiding in. And then it switches, and he starts defining it. And I don't have to, we don't go into it right now. But what I want to speak into you, us right now, is that fruitfulness in the conclusions of life come from abiding in him, in, in the place of the Father's house, and allowing him to abide in us. Now, God showed me something about this about abiding and so what is this abiding how do we look at this and i want you to think of it in, in the coolness of the old testament there the word of god is so consistent it uses different terms and so the lord starts showing me some stuff one day jim driscoll was teaching on waiting on the lord isaiah 40 31 wait on the lord and those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Youth, young men will, will run. Oh, and then I've watched the, trend, the worst verse, and this is a life verse for me. Anyway. Walk, walk and not faint. So the Lord showed me, he said, wait. What's the word wait mean? Well, you know what the word wait means? It's from the Hebrew word meaning to bind together by twisting. This is waiting. 
literally means to make rope. What you do is you bind yourself. And I, and I was looking at this thing, this rope, and it, it's got thousands of little fiber, uh, fibers, thousands of them, and they just bound it together. But the Lord just showed me that he's the rope. But the interesting thing, you see, as Jim was speaking that day, so the Lord showed me, he says, Rick, in, real, in fact, really, the picture I had was a big old rope. You know, like one of those uh, ropes they use in anchors? Ships, huh? A hawser, I never heard that name. Huh. That's what that rope is called? Big rope is? Yeah, that's not hot. But one of those big ones like this, but this is all Lowe's had, y'all. So anyway, but Lord's picture is, this is the Lord. This is me. And God said, you know, Rick, this is the things he summarized in my life. He says, Rick, you have a destiny to pull weight. But, you know, uh, if I, this pulls weight? <laughs> what? I can do this all day long, as long as this thread, this little thread here. Some of you have been are fried out. But the Lord said, wait on me. And so this is what we do. We do this. And when I wait on the Lord, I will run and not grow weary. I will what? I will walk and not faint. Y'all, I can pull. Whatever the capacity of this big rope is the capacity of this thread because it's waiting. It's twisted into the fabric of this. So when we wait on the Lord, the reality of who God is becomes us. When we abide in Him and Him in us. And one of the things I wanted to do was take a gold thread, and I, I didn't do it, but I should have. Now I'm all got a mess here. But that's a good thing to be tangled up to. I wanted to do is take a, take a, a needle and go through this rope and, and intertwine it. Abiding in, in it, in it. And that's what God says for us to intertwine ourselves in the very nature of who God is from the heart. Now, if you'll notice in your notes, in, in fact, this theme, I just want to show you these notes here. Psalm 33, 21. Those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land. Those who in 33, 20, I'm sorry, 33, 21 says, the eyes of the Lord on those who fear him, on those who hope for, look for his loving kindness. And it goes, you know, those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land. Uh, those who wait on the Lord will not be disappointed, will not be ashamed. That's the Isaiah passage. I mean, God, waiting on him, there's just no failure because the weight of whatever you and I are pulling is him. If, and here's what God said to me. If somebody in here is tired, guess what? you you got a destiny to pull. Man, I've got a mess here. you got a destiny to pull, but you're pulling it on your own. And he's saying that to me. Rick, you've been pulling it on your own. You're receiving the lie that, well, you can do it. you got the destiny for it, but you've got to realize you can't do it apart from this, Rick. So how 
And so I don't want to invite and ask us to do. We're going to take a journey together, if we would, this next week. Because real quick, I want to summarize this thing about him in us and us in him. Now, realize this. Anytime you hear him in us, that's his presence. And so, and if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 John 2.27. Now watch this. Him and us. Him and us. In 2.27. But as for you, the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. That's the Holy Spirit. The anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And watch what he does. And you have no need of anyone to teach you anything, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as true is not a lie, but just as it has taught you, you abide in him. So y'all, first thing what the Lord showed me about the abidings, him in us and us in him, there's two parts to it. The Lord showed me is that there's a place of receiving it and there's a place of releasing it. It's interesting because the verb tenses are interesting as you go through the Word of God in this abiding thing because some are point action and some are continuous action. And that's where you see it. There's a place of receiving it and there's a place of releasing it. And so, so what, what God has been showing me is we, here's the place. It's the anointing which you have received. Now here, y'all, you've got to realize this. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God dwells in you. But here's the question. Is He in the house and you ain't received Him in the house? There's a lot of people that come and out of, used to, now, but now they will be since we've got a house. But used to, if you come around my place, there's probably two or three people living with us. And, but, you know, the, there's a reality is that God can, comes in there and you receive him. You receive him. I mean, you acknowledge his existence. You receive him. And that's what is speaking here. Receive it. The spirit of the living God who was in you. Acknowledge him. But then the interesting thing, if you keep your finger in 1 John, we'll come right back there. But I want you to notice John chapter 15, verse 7. In this place where Jesus was defining the vitings. Watch it. What Jesus does, like this. Okay, watch this. In me, he who abides in me and I in him. Okay? And what he starts to do is to define what these abidings are. He'll take, he'll repeat the statements and he takes one thing out. And he'll replace it with something else. And he will tell you what that particular abiding is. And in verse 7, watch it. It says, if you abide in me, okay, you're in, in me, you're in Christ, and watch this, my words abide in you. Okay, my question, who is the word? <laughs> he is the word. And so the Lord, I was meditating on this, the Lord said, stoke the fire. Stoke the fire. Yeah, stoke the fire. If my words abide in you, I, if you're in me, okay, you're in me, but I'm in you, 
let my words abide in you. Let, let it, the word of God abide in you. Abide. The word of God abide in you. Do you, do I, allow the word of God to be in us? Y'all, I may, I've, I've got so many past scriptures memorized, it's not even funny. But they're, just because I memorize it don't mean I'm abiding in it. I mean, that's where God just woken my heart up into this, Rick, abide in my word. I'm saturating myself in this. I'm memorizing it. Yeah, that word of I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. But if whatever I'm trying to do, wherever I'm going, I want that, that be a part of me. Just abiding in the reality of his word and whatever. And my, like I was telling the guys, one of my goals is if, if you squeeze me, what comes out is word. Something ever happens to me, I go unconscious and I just start running my mouth, all that's going to come out is word. That's my goal in my life. That's my goal. I want to abide in his word. Because in the place that we're his abiding in his word, there is where the place is. You come and you ask whatever you wish, I'll do it. And the Lord showed me this picture. Imagine this, everyone in this room. Got, last week it got cold, right? So God comes and he says, you've got, you've got heat issues, huh? So he comes and he gives you the Mac Daddy of wood stoves. You may not like wood stoves, but this is what God's response is. So he comes and gives you a wood stove. But then not only does he come and give you a wood stove, he comes and stacks outside your house and in your house all the wood that you could ever use in that wood stove. Bitch is going glory. You don't have to split a log. It's all split, perfect size, and there it is. And God says, stoke the fire. I've given it to you. You've got the stove. Stoke it. And I, I got the picture of, of, of us sitting around a wood stove with the door open and no wood in the stove. Paul and I are dealing with power bills and heat. And so one of the things we're entertaining is one of these wood stoves outside. And I'm like, one of my first questions is, how often do you have to put wood in it? Because if I travel, like I'm about at the end of February, I'll head to the Middle East and stuff, and it's going to be cold. And so Paula's going to, you know, have to stoke the fire. Well, if I go and stoked it up, and when I get back, that fire's gone, Paula's going to get cold. Mitch in his house, they don't put wood in the stove, they get cold. We come to church and we put some wood in the fire, maybe some twigs. And it burns up. Oh, it starts to glow. Oh, yeah. But by Monday morning, what? When you go, go out to the midst of the collisions of culture, how can we stand if we don't stoke the fire? His presence in us needs to be stoked with the reality of his word. Like Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Let it dwell within you. Take his word. Taste and see that the Lord is good. His word. 
y'all realize this? His word will never pass away. As, as the rain and snow come out of heaven and do not return there without making the earth bear and sprout, so shall his word be. It will not return to him without accomplishing the purpose for which he sent it. That's how powerful it is. His words are a lamp into our feet and a light into our paths. His words, according to Psalm 1, 3, if I meditate on it day and night, I'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Whatever I do will prosper. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the success that I've had in my life in various circles in my life had just one simple purpose. One, God in me. And two, the saturation of his word in my life. The times that I experienced defeat were the times that he, I did not stoke the fire of the furnace in my life. The second thing is, us and him. I want you to go with me back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. A very important statement here. It says in 4.15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. There we go. If you, that's what we're talking about. But God abides in him. I mean, who, what did I say 15? Abides in him and he in God. So how do you, you and I, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a place in the Father's house. Ephesians 1.3 says, that after listening to the message of the gospel salvation, having also believed, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. If you know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you've got a place in the Father's house. I wish I could talk all day long about the Father's house. It's so cool. But, remember I said there's a receiving? There's a place for you and I to receive your place in the Father's house. You know, I, you know to be honest with you, uh, one of the hurtful things about a father or a mother is like if your kids go off and they come back around and they don't walk out of their place in your house. There's times in, in my kids' lives that there's times that The house, our house, was not valued to them. A place for us to hear the heart of God the Father saying, in my house, your place in Christ Jesus, which there's no condemnation, there's new creation in this place. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing there. There's just multitudes of things that are in this grace that is found in Christ Jesus to receive it without releasing it and what the Lord showed me in releasing it is get this is love you know how you release the place in Christ being in Christ is love and I didn't under, I'm, I'm seeing this thing but I don't understand it totally. But the thing I came to realize, God is love, and you want to walk out, release that which you are in him, if you're going to have to walk in what? Love. And what if you would, please, 
I gave you two, she- two sheets. One of them, you'll have this chart on the back, but use this one. And hopefully you have one that has scriptures on it and, and a chart. And what I want to ask us to do as a body so I want you to I want to ask you to set aside five minutes a day. At least five minutes a day. Preferably at the beginning of your day. You know, like in Psalm, you know, 90, where it says, you know, satisfy me in the morning with thy loving kindness that I may sing for joy and be glad all my days. His loving kindnesses are new every morning. Okay? So what I want to ask us to do, because abiding in him has got to do with saturating ourselves with the Word of God. Releasing being in Christ is to do with love. So what the Lord showed me and asked us to do is this. First thing you do is, in the morning when you wake up, just do, this is what I try to do in my life. I want to, the response to God's Word is, faith comes by hearing, and by hearing what? His Word. So the response to His Word is faith. Okay, so I want to saturate myself with the Word of God, and I got to receive it by faith. But we know faith has two facets: believing and trusting. You believe when you have a promise, you trust when you don't know what to do, and you trust in His nature and character. We, that's basic dwelling place stuff. You believe when you have a word or a promise, you trust when you don't know what to do, and you focus on His nature or character. And so, what you do is get up in the morning. And you go, okay, Lord, what would you want me to do? To, to my heart to be saturated in. What promise? Or what facet of his character or nature? And that's why this is done in, well, it has three categories, but it's really two categories. One is category of his nature and character. I just put, picked out, copied and pasted some. I've got hundreds of these things on my just listed out of the different facets of God's nature and character. And what you do is, if you want to focus on that day in particular, you want to trust, you know, like uh, John, 1 John 4, 7. God is love. No, that's a pretty big revelation right there. God is love. That may be all you want to focus on. And, uh, or, you know, he's life. Or come on down in here and uh, healer of the sick. Psalm 103. Forget none of his benefits. Who heals all our diseases. That may be one of the things you saturate yourself with. I remember one time I was sick. When Paul and I, were, we lived in Florida, South Florida. We went up to, we went up to uh, Huntsville, Alabama to see Paula's parents. And we we're getting ready to leave. This is before we had kids. And uh, I'll never forget this one, man. And, uh, and I, the morning we get up to go, I am sicker than a dog. And I've got pain in my back. felt like kidney infection. I mean, back is just hurting me bad. And so this is one of those days, times, and seasons of my life that I just, whatever I did, I just went, just dove in God's Word. So all I did was is I just started, got up that morning, and I was so sick that I couldn't drive home. And it's a 14-hour trip. I couldn't help drive at all. So I'm laying in, in the, you know how it is when you're sick and you're almost delirious? And all I could do was just quote Scripture to myself. And that's all I did the whole journey. And we stopped in uh, 
around Ocala, Florida at some friend's house to, to break the trip up. And, and I remember just that whole trip, just confessing word, confessing word. And I got, you know, we got to my friend's house, and I just talked John and Janice's friends, these, there's no names. And, and I just said, listen, y'all, I am so sorry. I just am very sick. I've got to go to bed. So I just said hey to him, and I just went to bed. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm just confessing word. All of a sudden, the woman who had the issue of blood came to my mind. And she just she goes, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'd be healed. And all of a sudden, I go, in the spirit, I go, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'd be healed. And I did, in the spirit. And all of a sudden, y'all, you know in that place that when you're sick and you just fight and go to sleep, and all of a sudden, I'm asleep, and I wake myself up because I'm asleep. And I'm not delirious anymore. I don't know how long I was asleep, but I just know I was healed. And I, I believe that one of the things that happened in that healing was all I did was saturate myself with his word. And his word, like it says in Psalm 4, it says your word is healing to all your flesh. And it was crazy event for me. And I have to confess, I tried to touch the hem of Jesus' garment many times since then. Didn't work <laughs> that time, but it did that time. But anyway, so you get up in the morning, and it's just these are just guides for you that if you know you may need to resource it, or or you want a, a promise. Some of these are about promises God's given you, like in Psalm. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So maybe there's a, there's a collision of a culture that you're facing that's just rising up against you like Crystal's got this client that's just giving her a hard time and Crystal goes, I can do all things through Christ. I can love this person. That's why you know you don't know Jesus in the collision of culture there in John 15 where he said the world's going to hate you. But then he says to you, I give you a command that you're going to love one another even as I loved you. Y'all realize that's a pretty big collision of cultures. I had a friend that said one time, I could be the most awesome man of God if it wasn't for people. Because it takes the word of God. Abiding in him to conquer a lot of cultures like that. So the second facet the Lord asked me to do ask us to do is, one is spend five minutes just saturating ourselves with the Word of God. The second thing he asked me to do, ask us to do, is that just to be intentional. I remember Ron Bernard speaking this one time about the gospel, about being intentional. When he said that, it just pricked my heart. To ask the Lord to give you one person, at least, to be intentional to express love of God to that person. And y'all, I warn you, a lot of times with God, when you ask that question, it's usually somebody that's giving you a hard time. Because in that place that where you love the person, the person that uh, is probably your enemy, it can be the greatest blessing. I was reading a testimony of a Chinese uh, pastor, a missionary who the guy who had gone to, who was Chinese and was mission, dealing Jesus in China. And, uh, and he was in a particular area, and he and his wife were there, and, uh, um, and he just and they had a young son who was just born. 
And they knew that the way persecution was coming, it was just a matter of time for them to either be killed or to be uh, thrown in prison. And he prayed about it. He's been praying about it. And they had this young son. And the Lord said to him, give your son to your enemy. And he's going, what? And the, and the interesting thing about the enemy who was really the one who was planning the persecution of Nutch to this pastor, he and his wife couldn't have any children. And so the Lord told him, he said, give it your son to this guy. And he gave him the Isaac, uh, the Isaac passage in Genesis 22. So he did it. And he told this enemy of his, please, I give you my son that you would love him as I'd love him. And so he gives him his son. This is supposedly a true story. Bring the testimony. It's recent. And, uh, and so, interesting thing, there was this, uh, his wife, there was this earthquake and his wife was killed. He just miraculously escaped this crazy death. So, but, but here he is. He goes on and he keeps preaching the gospel. He spent time in prison, all kind of crazy stuff like that, but he's preaching. So as years progress, when he was 77 years old, there was one day that he's traveling on a bus to go to a village to help in a house church. And, and he's on his way and on the bus, and he gets out of the bus. It's cold, and he's just frustrated. He goes, you know, Lord, I sure wish my wife was here. I'm just, he's just depressed, the sound out from, with her, the things that I'm feeling, but she's not here, I miss my wife. And my son, who he was feeling guilty about what he did with his son, because this family he gave his son to lived in this big city that where they were at, where this earthquake was, and, and he, he assumed that, he heard that those people were, were killed and dead and and so he's assuming his son is lost. And so here he is in his life of ministry and loneliness. So he's walking along and he comes to this village. And he's, he comes and, and he comes to his house and he sees a cross. And he asks him and he says, Are you, do you love the Lord? And they said, yes. They, well, could, could I come and stay in your house? They washed his feet because that was the culture in that time. And they fed him. They took care of him. And they said, we would like you to come with us. We're going to this uh, here this minister who is very powerful in the gospel and he's he's been in prison for the gospel he he's done many courageous acts it was shared shared in the writing all the courageous acts that this minister of the gospel had done and you know just phenomenal man of god says would you come with us to hear him he says yes i'll come and they just he goes how old is this minister and he's they go he's 42 and he starts to weep and he goes my son would be 42 right now if he was alive. And he starts to weep because he's grieving for missing his son. So as he goes, he gets to this, they get to this place where the, and it's packed. People are, and he's outside. And he can't even see the guy. But he's hearing his words, and he's hearing his words. And as he's speaking these words, his heart's burning in him because he's saying the same kind of words that he would speak. And, uh, and so he kind of starts trying to push around and get up there, and he looks, and the guy, you know, just looks at, he looks at the guy, and the guy looks just like 
him. And he just, uh, he kind of loses control and he, he interrupts the meeting. He says, I'm so sorry to interrupt the meeting, but uh, who are you? And the guy had changed his name. The preacher had changed his name so many times because of the gospel, you know, being in prison and stuff like that. He didn't want him falling back. And it was the minister's son. And right there, they just fell into each other's arms and come to find out what had happened was when he gave his son to this family, it touched that family so much that they, they became saved. And they told him about the awesomeness of how he was a man of God. And in this place of loving his enemy with his dearest treasure became the greatest treasure in his life. And so, I don't know why I told that story, but it's got to do with loving people. (laughs) So I just want to ask that we do this, two things this week. Every day, do it. Like, take five minutes and walk in this. And uh, you have something you want to add? Close shop. Yeah, I just, I think this morning, you know, the Lord just really encouraged, as we were praying this morning, it was kind of one of those mornings you kind of come in and you're like, I just, you know, the room's kind of like, you're just trying to activate something. And I felt like the Lord was just saying, like, this is a way to activate your faith. This is a way to activate uh, your heart. And, and I had to, you know, as Rick had been sharing this the last few weeks, you know, I just had to repent because there was places in my life that, you know, I wasn't abiding in him. just wasn't abiding in him. I was abiding in uh, distraction. I was abiding in other things, but I wasn't abiding in him. And so if that's you this morning, just repent. I mean, I think that's the... The, the things sometimes we can get in this place sort of like, well, gosh, you know, how do I start again or how do I get back to that place or how do I go back? And it's like, you know, just repent and, and then turn and find ways, like I said, whether it's five minutes in the morning, uh, whether it's figuring out how to love on somebody, activate your faith. I mean, it was so neat. I, I, you know, the first thing I did is I, I just encouraged us all to start praying the Spirit this morning. So we did that. And then it was really interesting as uh, Brandon uh, my brother was in there, and he just started going around. He just he was just laying hands on each individual person and praying. And I I watched the room, and it was like every time he went and prayed for somebody, it felt like they were activated. And it was like in his activating his life and going and loving on people, just praying for him, it activated something in them. And it was just wild. And so so let's just stand, and um, we're just going to close. And I think this is the the response is the back of the sheet, you know. If you're having a hard time abiding, we will definitely love to pray for you. If um, I think the the healing teams are still here, so if you need to be healed and restored in your body, come uh, just come and stand over here, and we'll we'll pray for you. Um, but I think the big thing in this is, you know, am I going to abide in His Word? Am I going to abide in uh, in His love? Uh, it's really interesting that uh, the horse the horse thing that then did i mean that just amazed me that you know that they're equipped to pull nine thousand pounds but they could have the potential of not even pulling a tire you know because of that because when he abided and it was almost like when the horse abides in the master's heart and and what the master said he could do anything 
You know, the horse could do it all. Could pull whatever. But when he wasn't abiding in that, it was he was afraid of the leaving the tire. And so I just felt like the Lord was just saying that there, you, there's going to be a place for this, even this year's just going to be an opportunity to abide in him, to begin to grow and learn and, and grow and walk in that which God has already declared into you. And so just receive that this morning as I pray. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, God, as even just this, this challenge to, to activate our faith in, in this place of abiding in you, abiding in the Father's house, abiding in your heart, abiding in your word, abiding in your love, God. And Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that, Father, you would begin, uh, Lord, even the, maybe the, even that activation, even the horse even has he had to pull the tire just to get, get used to pulling and get, get beginning to trust in, in the Master's heart, in, in, in Ben's heart. Lord, uh, even that horse had to learn how to do that. I just pray even maybe we'll just take this five minutes every morning. Maybe we'll take opportunity to go love on somebody. Just maybe it's opportunity to just say, hey, can I pray for you? Or, hey, can I do something for you? You know, or, hey, can I give this to you? You know, just, Lord, whatever you speak into us, God, I just pray that we would activate our faith this, this, this week by abiding in you, by abiding in your word, and then, abiding in your love and activating that love and going and loving on somebody. Lord, I just believe that is the call for this morning. And so, Lord, I just pray that. I just pray that each one would receive that they have been created to, to haul that 9,000 pounds. They've been created in that place of just uh, doing the impossible, but it has to be when we're abiding in you. Lord, apart from your branch, apart the branch apart from the vine, Lord, we cannot do anything because we don't have it within us. God, you have it within us. When, we, this, this, uh, when, when we're entwined in this uh, rope, God, we can pull a lot. Lord, we can do a lot. But, Lord, apart from that, Lord, we're pretty frail, pretty thin. But, God, in you, Lord, we can do everything. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. And, Lord, I just pray that into us this morning. I just declare that into us. And, Lord, we just speak that even dwelling place as a body. God, we speak it into dwelling place as a body. God, we would be a body that abides in you, that we would be individuals, that we'd be husbands, wives, children that abide in you and walk in that. And so we declare it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. So if you need any prayer this morning, come find us. We'll be up here. If you need any healing, Brandon, these guys are over here. Uh, come find them. Love you guys.